and gentlemen, Rob Port here on WDAY. It is a, uh, well, it's a good day today. Good afternoon, Atil. How are you? Doing all right. Why is it such a good day for you, Mr. Rob Port? I have got baseball, live, glorious baseball oh. streaming on my television right now. It's the first spring training game of the year, and I'm 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 feeling honestly almost a little emotional about it. It's been a long, hard winter, and uh, now comes spring, and it's Yay. just a beautiful it's just a beautiful thing. Yay, baseball! Why? What? <laughs> I just I don't care for baseball. I think it's so no. boring, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> Underst it is understandably an acquired taste it, it is and it's it's not something that i ever acquired when i was young i played t-ball for a little bit when i was very very little but you know it's you get like the kids that all the kids are sort of uninterested in t-ball at that like three four year old range and then when you hit like five or six you can tell which kids are actually enjoying playing t-ball and the ones that are being forced there by their parents and I quickly became one of those kids yeah. that played outfield to dig in the sand instead of actually playing. Baseball <laughs> is a sport that I think has had challenges in, in the modern era, um, particularly in in that, you know, you look at, uh, I, I remember CeCe Sabathia, who's a pitcher for the Yankees, and he does a lot of work reaching out baseball, particularly into, into like urban and African-American communities. And some of the things he said is it's it's very very hard. Base our basketball is such a popular sport in urban areas in in you know particularly in, in, in African American communities because you don't really need much to play it when you're a kid, right? I mean, you need a hoop and you know maybe a little bit of pavement and you're set, right? You can play some horse, you can play some one on one, you can do all sorts of stuff. Baseball is a little tougher, you know. I mean, it's it's harder. And I mean, there's there's all those old games, you know, all those old pictures of kids playing you know, stick ball on the streets of Brooklyn and stuff like that. And it's, I think it's just harder. I mean, baseball requires more people. It maybe requires a little bit more room than a lot of people have, you know, so that's, that's tough, but I, I think it's got a bright future. I, I think of all the American sports, right. And I, you know, soccer would probably be the big exception, but it's, it's probably the most international, right? I mean, if, if you look at, uh, you know, people from, the Asian American countries, uh, uh, the uh, Latin America, the Hispanic community. Um, I mean, it's it's very very big in a lot of places like that. Oh and yeah, so don't I, don't get me wrong. I understand that like baseball is not just well loved by Americans; it's right. well loved worldwide. I just was never able to oh, sure. get into it. I'm not it. putting you down. I, I understand. It's it's not for everybody. It's slow paced. For me, I, I I think once you once you begin to understand some of the nuances of the game, it becomes a lot more fun. But it takes time because it's it's a complicated game, and there's so much history. Although the the quirky history is what I love, right? I mean, one of the things I love best about baseball is something will happen on the field. You're like, oh well, that's the first time it happened since 1915 when Speedy <laughs> McGee was you know playing for the playing for the you know. Whatever. <laughs> well, are are you then the big question, the, Rob? The Cincinnati is, Pale Stockings or something. <laughs> the big question then, Rob, is: Are you a Twins fan? I like the Twins when they're not playing the Yankees. You know, oh, I'm you're a, a Yankees I'm, fan. Okay. I'm a Yankees fan, and the reason why I grew up in Alaska, uh, so I, I was, I came to love baseball when I was a little boy living in Alaska. And when you live in Alaska, 
you're not really near any team. You don't you don't have a home team. There's no you have, te- you have te- worse te- technically it's technically it's the Mariners, but you know Seattle's like a thousand miles away. I was so. going to say you have worse choices for home teams in Alaska than we do in North Dakota. <laughs> so. You know, and so what happened was, is I was, we also didn't have a lot of television channels. And so I was watching um, The Pride of the Yankees. It was old, old movies, old black and white movies. The Pride of the Yankees came on with Gary Cooper of, of the Lou Gehrig story. And I don't know. I mean, something just clicked with me. The history there, um, you know, the Yankees, I mean, very storied franchise. Um, I think it's just, I think it's just a wonderful thing. So I've been a Yankees fan just about my whole life. And I love it. I love baseball. I love everything about it. I think it's fantastic. It's a good day to be Rob. It is. And we also have uh, this uh, this weekend, we have a birthday party coming up. Uh, my my daughter's birthday. And the older or the younger? Younger daughter. Oh. And so we, uh, dad, she wanted, a few months ago, we went to an escape room here in Minot. And it was a it was a blast. It was fun. It was hosted by our local railroad museum, and it was we just had a ton of fun as a family doing it. And so she decided she wanted to have an escape room for her birthday. Oh, that's cool. And so Daddy has put one together, but I am stressing out because I don't know. I've never done this before, right? And it's you know doing something like that, like you're kind of relying. You want to make sure that it's going to make sense, that it's going to play well, right? And so uh, we've got this thing. I'm gonna set it up tomorrow. I don't know. I'm I'm super. I'm an, you know anxious about it. Oh, I can't. I, I can't wait to hear all about it on Monday, though. That's that's yeah. really cool. I think it. I think it'll be fun. Um, I hope it'll be. I hope it works well. I'm gonna be disappointed if it doesn't <laughs> work well. Mostly because you know I, I. You put a lot of time and effort right. into it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I I downloaded a kit to help me from the internet and you know printed some stuff out, but we still gotta hide everything. Gentlemen, Rob Port here on WDAY. It is a, uh, well, it's a good day today. Good afternoon, Atil. How are you? Doing all right. Why is it such a good day for you, Mr. Rob Port? I have got baseball, live, glorious baseball oh. streaming on my television right now. It's the first spring training game of the year, and I'm 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 feeling honestly almost a little emotional about it. It's been a long, hard winter, and uh, now comes spring, and it's Yay. just a beautiful it's just a beautiful thing. Yay, baseball! Why? What? <laughs> I just I don't care for baseball. I think it's so no. boring, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> Underst it is understandably an acquired taste it, it is and it's it's not something that i ever acquired when i was young i played t-ball for a little bit when i was very very little but you know it's you get like the kids that all the kids are sort of uninterested in t-ball at that like three four year old range and then when you hit like five or six you can tell which kids are actually enjoying playing t-ball and the ones that are being forced there by their parents and I quickly became one of those kids yeah. that played outfield to dig in the sand instead of actually playing. Baseball <laughs> is a sport that I think has had challenges in in the modern era, um, particularly in in that you know you look at uh, I, I remember CC Sabathia, who's a pitcher for the Yankees, and he does a lot of work 
reaching out baseball, particularly into into like urban and African American communities. And some of the things he said is it's it's very very hard. Base our basketball is such a popular sport in urban areas in in you know particularly in, in, in African American communities because you don't really need much to play it when you're a kid, right? I mean, you need a hoop and you know maybe a little bit of pavement and you're set, right? You could play some horse, you could play some one on one, you could do all sorts of stuff. Baseball's a little tougher, you know. I mean, it's it's harder. And I mean, there's there's all those old games, you know, all those old pictures of kids playing you know, stick ball on the streets of Brooklyn and stuff like that. And it's, I think it's just harder. I mean, baseball requires more people. It maybe requires a little bit more room than a lot of people have, you know, so that's, that's tough, but I I think it's got a bright future. I I think of all the American sports, right. And I, you know, soccer would probably be the big exception, but it's, it's probably the most international, right? I mean, if if you look at, uh, you know, people from, the Asian American countries, uh, uh, the uh, Latin America, the Hispanic community. Um, I mean, it's it's very very big in a lot of places like that. Oh yeah, so don't I, don't get me wrong. I understand that like baseball is not just well loved by Americans; it's right. well loved worldwide. I just was never able to. Oh sure, get into I'm not it. putting you down. I, I understand. It's it's not for everybody. It's slow paced. Uh, for me, I, I I think once you once you begin to understand some of the nuances of the game it becomes a lot more fun, but it takes time because it's, it's a complicated game and there's so much history. Although the, the quirky history is what I love, right? I mean, one of the things I love best about baseball is something will happen on the field. You're like, Oh, well, that's the first time it happened since 1915 when Speedy <laughs> McGee was, you know, playing for the, playing for the, you know, whatever. Well, are, are you, then the big question, the, Rob the Cincinnati is... pale stockings or something. <laughs> The big question then, Rob, is are you a Twins fan? I like the Twins when they're not playing the Yankees. You know, oh, I'm you're a, a Yankees I'm, fan. Okay. I'm a Yankees fan, and the reason why I grew up in Alaska, uh, so I, I was, I came to love baseball when I was a little boy living in Alaska. And when you live in Alaska, you're not really near any team. You don't, you don't have a home team. There's no. You have, te- you have te- worse te- technically it's technically it's the Mariners, but you know Seattle's like a thousand miles away. I was so, going to say you have worse choices for home teams in Alaska than we do in North Dakota. <laughs> so, you know, and so what happened was is I was we also didn't have a lot of television channels, and so I was watching um, the Pride of the Yankees. It was old old movies, old black and white movies. The Pride of the Yankees came on with Gary Cooper of, of the Lou Gehrig story. And I don't know. I mean, something just clicked with me. The history there, um, you know, the Yankees, I mean, very storied franchise. Um, I think it's just, I think it's just a wonderful thing. So I've been a Yankees fan just about my whole life, and I love it. I love baseball. I love everything about it. I think it's fantastic. It's a good day to be Rob. It is. And we also have uh, this uh, this weekend. We have a birthday party coming up. Uh, my my daughter's birthday. And the older or the younger? Younger daughter. Oh. And so we, uh, dad, she wanted, a few months ago, we went to an escape room here in Minot. And it was a it was a blast. It was fun. It was hosted by our local railroad museum. And it was, we just had a ton of fun as a family doing it. And so she decided she wanted to have an escape room for her birthday. Oh, that's cool. And so daddy has put one together, but I am stressing out because I don't know. I've never done this before, right? And it's. You know, doing something like that, like you're kind of relying, you want to make sure that it's going to make sense, that it's going to play well, right? 
And so uh, we've got this thing. I'm going to set it up tomorrow. I don't know. I'm, I'm super I'm an- you know, anxious about it. Oh, I can't I, I can't wait to hear all about it on Monday though. That's that's yeah. really cool. I think it I think it'll be fun. Um I hope it'll be I hope it works well. I'm going to be disappointed if it doesn't work <laughs> well. Mostly because you know, I I you put a lot of time and effort right. into it. Yeah. Oh, I mean I I downloaded a kit to help me from the internet and you know, printed some stuff out, but we still got to hide everything. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Rob Port here on WDAY. It's the Rob Report. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You can even send me tweets, too, at Rob Port. So we're talking a little bit about these town halls. And, um, I mean, I, I, I get what Cameron was saying. I, I don't I, I think he may have gone a little over the top saying it's sexist, but I mean I, I don't know. This to to me you know, some top down group urging people to show up at town halls and, and like this. I mean it 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 smacked of of ambush politics to me. And I, I don't I just don't know how effective that is. I mean, how persuasive is that really? MSNBC just happened to show up at Kramer's town hall event last night in Fargo. Uh, I, coincidence? Probably not. You know, I'm sure they're hoping to, to goad the congressman into saying something silly or doing something silly that can be turned into, you know, cable news footage and viral video. And I mean, that that to me is all the, all the type of politics that I don't I don't like. Um, now, if you get there and, and you're trying to ask Kramer a tough question and he's avoiding it or something, great. You know, that's great footage. Shame on him if he does that. But, you know, this other stuff where it's like we're, we're going to set up gotcha moments, come on. You know, that's not productive. And it doesn't, you know, all the screaming and shouting, I mean, that, that's the problem. All that video, people hooting and hollering, especially somebody like Kramer, who is not known as somebody to dodge questions, who is not known as somebody uh, to not listen to uh, to, to, to his constituents. Uh all that hooting and hollering, who is that going to convince? I mean, it, it's going to be the people who already hate Kevin Kramer, the people who already don't want to vote for him or would never vote for him, that's who your target audience is with that. Because you're not persuading anybody who's maybe on the fence about Kramer in the middle or an independent, or you're certainly not going to peel away any of his support by doing that. You're just not. That's not how that works. I may be great for firing up, you know, the, the base. I mean, it may be great for, you know, but I mean, really, do, do, do the political bases in America need to get fired up anymore at this point? I'm not so sure. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. What do you think, Natil? I think that uh, Kramer did a very good job at the town hall last night as far now, as... Did, did you did you go in, in, in person? Did you attend? No, I didn't oh, I didn't okay. attend in person, but I did see a lot of footage from the, it. And the, he, the video and yeah. Yeah, and he, he really seemed to keep his cool despite how intense it got. And if I had been there in person, I don't, I don't know that I would have been able to stay because yeah. it was... It, there wasn't a discourse happening. It wasn't a town hall. It was a bunch of grown adults shouting at each other in a coffee shop that was trying to do a good thing. Yeah. And I love I love the coffee shop that 
the the town hall was at. I go there quite yeah. frequently, and you know to see the 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 garbage that they were putting the workers through and oh. all of the all of the nonsense that was happening. I wasn't with, I wasn't aware of any of that. Oh, it was it was just it wasn't a good situation for anybody. They should they should have had a bigger venue. You know, I I think I maybe I I, don't, I guess I don't know who actually scared. I don't know if that was Congressman Kramer's office. He usually does these coffee with Kramer, so I know he usually tries to pick coffee houses because I I think usually, you know, he has maybe a couple dozen people. Well, not, yeah, and I and I think you know, I think the the reason that he likes to do them that way, at least from my my assumption, is that it provides a more intimate setting right. for the people that for choose a discussion. to attend. Yeah. And that's a great thing. I think that's a great sure. way to house. And he it. does a lot of them. He does a lot of them. So I think his expectation is we don't have to cram everybody in at every one. Especially uh, since he also does, you know, the radio town halls right. like he's doing with with you now Us on in about in about five minutes. Exactly. So I I think that the the idea of him attempting to create a more intimate setting for his town halls is fabulous, and he's he's trying to engage with his constituents on a more personal and one to one level. But what happened last night was basically taking that and then taking advantage of it and cramming as many people as possible into this small space, overwhelming the discussion with shouting and talking points. I mean, somebody like the one of the sound bites that you hear all of the time right now about this is someone shouting about Planned Parenthood being for abortion and someone shouting back, no, it's not. And then the whole room just explodes and rah! Yeah. And meanwhile, the congressman's up there like, well, wait. And, and listen, I sometimes I'm, I'm not I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for Kevin Kramer. He loves this stuff, um, and sometimes that's a politician's job is is just to be there for constituents to vent. That's sometimes just part of the job. Um, I actually texted Kevin after the event, asked him how he went. He said he he told me he thought it went well. The only thing he was disappointed in is that you know. Some of the people didn't get to ask their questions because there was so much, you know, shouting and other distractions and everything going on. You know, I I think he would have liked more questions and and more engagement, but so be it. And, hey, if you didn't get to ask your question last night and you're listening right now, the congressman's going to be on here in a few minutes. You can ask right now. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, here on the Rob Report, 701-293-9000, We uh, should have Congressman Kramer here in a moment, just waiting for him to call in. I don't know if he got held up or something. We uh, got some questions uh, stacking up already, a couple submitted already, one about health care, one about, uh, well, these town halls that I guess we've been talking about uh, already with you know people showing up and and shouting and hooting and hollering and all that stuff and and, and listen i am 100% in favor of members of congress holding town hall events 
I am 100% in favor of them engaging with their constituents with no filters, no social media stuff, you know, all, all of that, all of that, you know, just one-on-one, take the questions and uh, do it. And Kevin does that. And he's joining me right now, uh, Congressman Kramer, uh, a little bit of a feisty town hall yesterday. <laughs> it was a little feisty, yeah. Um, uh, although it was not not what I – it wasn't something I wasn't prepared for or expecting. It may, may be a little bit ruder than I thought it would be. I really did think that it, the North Dakota Democrats would have um, – you know that they would put their sort of their North Dakota filter on it and try not to expose sort of the whole movement, but uh, several couldn't resist. <laughs> but yeah. even at that, um, you know, it was a rich experience. I'd have to say. We got a, a couple of uh, questions lining up already that people are sending in, so we're sure. going to get right to them. Uh, first one: We had a caller off air during the break uh, said he wants to ask you about health care. He wants to know if the, if uh, you're able to offer any assurance uh, that as health care changes in this country that those with pre-existing conditions are going to be separated out from those without pre-existing conditions into a group of haves and have-nots where premiums for those with pre-existing conditions will become untenable financially. So, interesting um, question because you often hear the term high-risk pools. You know, there was a, um, long before Obamacare, North Dakota's legislature back when Ed Schaefer was governor, um, you know, created a what's called a high risk pool, and it's a term I frankly don't like. But it's a pool of people who, probably most likely with pre-existing conditions, that weren't getting coverage in the regular marketplace, and um, it does create a bit of a, a bit of a haves versus have-nots. Although it's not uh, interestingly, even in in a small state like North Dakota, it proved to not be an overly burdensome uh, pool. And this is an this is something that that I think we should get back to with with state pools and, and other association types of pools. Um, we're like-minded or geographically similar or whatever, you know, organizations, maybe, you know, North Dakota broadcasters could form their own risk pool. But the the point of it would be not not to have a risk pool of of have-nots where the premiums are untenable. The, the, the uh, point of a Republican plan would be to have pools that, you know, certainly share that load. That's the value of a large risk pool is that you you sort of socialize all of the costs. You have some in, in various categories. And that certainly can be done so that you don't have to have this this distinction that's, as the caller says, creates an untenable premium. That is not our goal at all. In fact, our goal is just the opposite of that. At the same time, you do have vulnerable populations that, that uh, for whom the safety net um, changes, and uh, our plan would be to rather than use a mandate uh, premium, or not even a premium, but a, a subsidized insurance plan, rather to provide things like tax credits. And, and some conservatives don't like tax credits because it's still, it's still, um, you know, viewed as a subsidy, or it's still, uh, you know, too government centric. But but to use the tax credit to allow the purchaser to purchase the plan of their choice, rather than be confined to the only plan that that uh, the government allows you to purchase. Got another question uh, from Brennan uh, via email. Says he's unable to call, wondering if Kevin thinks the recent town hall activities across the country will impact the national GOP agenda in the next couple of years. Yeah, boy, that's a great question Brennan asked because I tell you, I, I think it does have some impact, to be honest. Um, in some respects, it should, right? If people are 
genuinely concerned and in large numbers and, and their members of Congress are listening to them, it should have some impact. It should inform how the congressman thinks. It's certainly things I heard yesterday help inform me. However, I would say that the... Um, the very unruly, um, strategic design to sort of shout you down and, and make no mistake, it is a design, make no mistake, it is facilitated by a left, very left-leaning group. They've written a, a, a book on it. You can read it uh, online or, or print it out um, called Indivisible.org. It's, it's designed to, to um, stop the Trump agenda on one hand and to get under the skin of uh, members of Congress to, to influence how they think. The book is written by former Democratic uh, staff members. It talks about how to uh, disrupt a congressional office, if you can imagine. And so, so it's designed to do all that. But frankly, for me, I think that it only goes, it, it's counter. It's counterproductive to their cause. And we saw that yesterday in Fargo, plain as day. I really didn't think they were going to sort of step into that, but too many of them couldn't resist, and they did. And I think it's counterproductive to their cause because they literally were rude to one another. Um, and uh, But to, to Brennan's question and to his point, I do think there are some members of Congress who get um, squishy easily, shall we say, um, that they forget the context of even a, of, of even a good town hall or a good discussion that uh, the context should be the 700,000 people you represent, um, at least, you know, <laughs> keeping in mind, uh, you know, the, the vote totals of the last election and, and what people are saying as opposed to a loud minority. Now, the loud minority matters. Each, each individual matters. But you have to be able to put it in the context of the whole. 701-293-9000, If you want to join the program, email talk at WDAY.com, or you can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. Uh, let's see, caller Bob has got a uh, question. Go ahead, Bob. Hi. Hi, Hi Kevin. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, talk to you about the uh, student loan forgiveness programs that are narrowed to, like, teachers and the like. Um, you know, lots of people have student loans. In fact, I've heard the trillion-dollar mark. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's any avenues um, for quote-unquote, regular people to have loan forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, and if there's any reforms that are being talked about this year about about uh, re- in student loans, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank sure. You. No, thanks, Bob. I'm, I'm not real familiar with sort of individual areas of study that provide uh, student loan forgiveness, except where perhaps certain organizations, maybe certain states that have a particular need, whether it's rural doctors, for example, teachers is another example, maybe even certain teachers, math teachers or whatever might be in high demand, where a mar- the marketplace in an effort to attract those types of people might have some sort of student loan program and i think those are appropriate where where it makes some sense to to attract these people to have a sort of a broad sweeping student loan forgiveness program i i think would be a, a problem i think if we want to get to the issue of student debt we we need to get to the issue of the cost curve which is similar by the way to health care uh, uh... higher education is very similar to health care in that there's a third party that pays it that it's often uh... times that you know that the price is not seen by the cu- uh, the customer they don't worry about it they sort of de- defer the shock until much later, and the consequence of, consequence of that is it's easy to borrow a lot of money and find yourself in a lot of debt, and at the end of it, not have you know not have a lot to show for it. I think we need to get at the cost of going to college uh, to really deal with the student debt program. Now there are other programs that allow uh, student loans to be consolidated and uh, you know 
renegotiate it um, and all that. But, you know, money's so cheap these days that to, to the degree you're able to do that kind of thing, um, I would encourage people to do it. But to have sort of a broad across-the-board um, forgiveness of student debt really does nothing to lower the cost of uh, of an education in this country. In fact, it would have a perverse incentive to, to do just the opposite. We have a uh, an email from, and I, I I think this is the same listener who's asked the uh, last couple of weeks about this with the concealed carry reciprocity yeah, right. on the national yeah. level. I think last week you had said you were going to check in we, on that. Any uh, updates? Yeah, and of course, uh, I haven't been there since last week because we, this is the one week um, so far this year that we've been here. So my goal is to talk to Bob Goodlatt. He's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. I know Bob quite well. It, the the uh, bill is in his committee, so it's been dropped. It's in his committee, and I'll ask Bob when I get back this week if he's got uh, any plans to schedule some sort of a hearing on it. Um, again, I think I might have said this before. I'm, you know, I'm fairly confident that if we would have that bill come up, that it would pass the committee and it would pass the House, uh, but I don't know for sure what the what the calendar says over the course of the next two years um, with regard to that bill. But I, I promise I will check on it, and the, the source is Bob Goodlatte. Uh, Todd, via Twitter, says, and referring to your uh, the town hall situation, mm-hmm. why not have people show state ID before being allowed yeah. to enter? Uh, I would bet most instigators were busting from Minnesota, oh, those, those dastardly Minnesotans. <laughs> Well, I don't know whether they were or they weren't. I can tell you that all of the, all of the people that spoke, and you know, I controlled the, the microphone. People came to the front, and they were all North Dakotans, as far as I know, and I'm quite confident of that. And if not, they certainly represent challenges or problems or concerns that North Dakotans had. But I'm pretty sure all of them were North Dakotans, to the degree that there were some that you know there that weren't. I, I guess I don't have a lot of heartburn about that. It's, you know, I mean, they're they are our neighbors. But I will tell you, it's an interesting issue when you consider the whole concept of the people's house, the fact there are 435 of us, we all have roughly 700,000 constituents. When it comes to responding to you know, mail, email, uh, you know, phone calls and stuff, that we do screen, and we just don't have the resources to, to respond to every person that calls from out of state. And, by the way, when there are large national campaigns, whether it's a you know, gun control campaign or you know, a pro-life or, or an anti-life campaign, you do get a lot of calls from out of state, but we only respond to in-state. Uh, but as far as town halls, I guess it's sort of first come, first serve. Another emailer says, uh, even though I don't always agree with Congressman Kramer, he showed more he showed more control than I would have. <laughs> I would have have I would have opened a can of whoop ass on the screamers. Well, I don't. Uh, well, I don't. I don't. I don't think that helps anybody. Doing I this. don't either. But I will tell you. Um, Rob, what's interesting, I've had a lot of people tell me that in the last 24 hours. I mean a whole bunch. I've had kind of remarkable response from people. But I would tell you there was a time when I probably would have. And I will also tell you that I think that's part of the goal of this movement. I responded. The reason I had the town hall was at the request of the organizers of Indivisible FM. Now, you know, that's like going to the Democrat convention. Now, I was just remembering today, it was back when I was a 30-year-old Republican Party chairman that I attended a Democrat state committee meeting, and we were to, they wanted to see Ed Schaefer's income tax returns, and uh, the, the goal, their goal was to see how much money he made. They pretended their goal was to prove that he was a citizen. We showed up uh, uh, with his tax returns, um, redacted the, the dollar amounts only to prove that he was a North Dakota citizen and eligible for, uh, to serve as governor, and they were so hopping mad they could not at least see straight. Well, I, I think part of their invitation to members of Congress, part of their scheme is that they won't show up, and then they can use that as a criticism. So I took that 
criticism right away. The second thing is to try to get under their skin and get a YouTube moment where they lose their, you know, their temper. And so, you know, you, you need to be able to resist that sort of thing, as tempting as it is. But, you know, it is, it is, um, it is part of why they do this, is to try and get a YouTube moment. Now, interestingly, MSNBC was there, and we all know and love MSNBC. They're part of the same conspiracy. And so they were there to cover it. And during the, uh, during the town hall, some hecklers were shouting down a young woman sharing a very touching story about her, her child with pre-existing conditions, and so, so much so that they, you couldn't hear her. And I found that, of course, very rude, and I said, please, people, be quiet. This woman deserves to be heard. Now, these are people that are on the same side as this woman. The MSNBC producer then tweeted out, Kramer, Kramer tells crowd to be quiet. And and so you get a you get a sense of you know how well organized this machine is. You notice, Rob, every question was sort of like, "Are you still beating your wife?" You know, yeah. why why do you support um, block grants that would kick my child off of Medicaid? Well, those things don't go together. And um, but every question was like that. They want you to say yes or no, where both answers get you in trouble. Well, you know, I, I, I think you put your your hand on it. And, and unfortunately, I, I just don't think I, I to me that's political theater masquerading as civic engagement i mean i, I get it you're t- if right. you're ticked off about your congressman and you want to go there and give him a piece of your mind i don't really have a problem with that i'm sure you probably don't have a problem no, with that not. but when it's but when it's this sort of you know coordinated effort to try to create a viral video or something mm-hmm. that to me just i don't know i'm not to me that's boring and i don't think it changes anybody's mind honestly it, 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 to the degree it does and i'll be honest with you rob you know besides wanting to take away the excuse i didn't show up from them and and the opportunity to actually hear from people and constituents i did i heard from some really good people um that agree with me and many that disagree with me um but beside that you know my other sort of goal was to expose them for what they are and that and i didn't think they would fall for it quite so easily and that is an angry mob that's well and for example there was one guy in the back we got on, on um, somebody's phone video said i'm going to smash the windows of this place and then in the this was a, a angry democrat and a couple of uh conservative guys said go for it we've got the we've got our iphones on you right now you know that that's that's really that's how that's sort of the state, frankly, of liberal activism yeah. today in America, and that's why I'm not very concerned about um, you know the Democratic Party in North Dakota getting built up anytime soon. Well, I um I went way over time with you, Kevin, but we'll do it again next week. How's that? Pleasure's always mine. Anytime. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, thanks, Congressman. More to come. I'll wrap it up right after this. Don't go away. Rob Report here on WDAY. Just finished up with uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer. Went way too long. Or not too long, I say. We went long. We don't have a lot of time this segment. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Uh, emailer says, but Rob, this is what we expect from the left, talking about the town hall situation. Uh, if you don't get your way, you need to scream, cry, riot, and destroy people's property. Well, I don't think it's fair to say everybody on the left's like that. Not, not even most people on the left are like that. There is a faction, I think, for sure. That feels justified in that sort of thing Um, because they think they're fighting evil. And that's unfortunate that, you know, politics in America have devolved to the point where 
people on one side think they're fighting evil people on the other side. That's too bad because it's not like that. There's a lot of good people on the left that disagree with those of us on the right. And that doesn't mean they're not good people. You know, you and I may think they're wrong, but maybe they're right on some things. I don't know. But getting together and talking to each other is a good thing, which is I, I think the only reason I was disappointed at that town hall with Congressman Kramer last night is that it just didn't look like there was a lot of talking going on. It just seemed like there was a lot of screaming and posturing, and that's too bad. Uh, legislature's on crossover break till Wednesday, but we'll still have some fun next week. Tune in for that. You can always catch me here on WDAY, 1 to 2 p.m., Monday through Friday, or, of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening. Jay Thomas Show, coming up next. Stay tuned for that.